Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. All right. So this is Charlie. I'm going to kick us off this week with my true crime headlines. I have two very crazy, kooky true crime headlines. Two very crazy ones. So the first one was published um, in the New York Daily News and was published on October 13th, 2020. And the headline reads, Texas woman kills pregnant friend cuts baby from womb and tries passing child as her own. So the story here is that a woman is accused of killing her pregnant friend. She removed the victim's unborn baby from her womb in a violent attack that also resulted in the child's death over the weekend. The suspect, 27-year-old Taylor Parker, was arrested in the neighboring state of Oklahoma after trying to pass the baby off as her own just hours after the crime, because she's a winner. The circumstances involving her friend's murder remain under investigation, but police do say that she killed 21-year-old Reagan Simmons Hancock at a home in New Boston, Texas on Friday morning. So that is our first true crime headline. Crazy stuff. The next one, I don't mean to laugh. I kind of mean to, it's awful. Okay, so the next one um, was published on allthatsinteresting.com on October 13th, 2020. And okay, so I know that the whole idea of true crime headlines is that we're really just reading the headline to give you guys an idea of what's like happening around the world. But I had to tell a little bit more of the story. So this might take me a minute. The story is absolutely bonkers, like literally bonkers. Okay, so published to all things, all that's interesting dot com on October 13th, 2020. And the headline reads, Louisiana pastor caught filming himself in a demonic threesome with two dominatrices, which is apparently the plural for dominatrix. So not only, yeah, who knew? So not only did all that's interesting teach me about this story, it also taught me that the plural of dominatrix (laughs) is dominatrices. So the story goes that by chance, a local resident happened to walk by Saints Peter and Paul Roman Catholic Church in Pearl River, Louisiana, just as the Reverend Clark was filming himself having sex with two dominatrices on the altar of the church. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. So. And okay, now I didn't read this. I didn't write this article. So like there's some parts in here that are like obviously punny like this next part caught with his pants down the reverend has since been denounced by the new orleans archbishop archbishop who not 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 archbitch though um so he was denounced by the new orleans archbishop who not only denounced reverend clark but also had the altar removed and burned Oh, it's, yeah. It's I mean, awful. Like, God. Um, in an interesting turn of events, it wasn't just the Reverend Clark that was filming the sexual encounter that night. The witness who reported the scenario to police also recorded the threesome in progress. Oh, yeah. Because imagine, imagine, like, I would buy and see that you'd be like, what? A thousand percent take my phone out and take a video of that. I am sorry. I'm sorry. I just would. Yeah. You just would. So, um, 
They recorded the threesome in progress. The footage was later shared with police, but the defendants remain adamant that they truly did nothing wrong. So the quote here is, all parties involved are consenting adults, wrote lawyer Bradley Phillips. He represents the two dominatrices. Everything that occurred took place behind closed doors on private property, and none of the conduct alleged was criminal in nature. So, you know. Did they say how old this man was? So honestly, truthfully, I was so flummoxed <laughs> i just wanted to know if it was like maybe a younger or he like wasn't, i mean he wasn't a little old man he wasn't okay he wasn't what you think of as a priest when you close your eyes and think of a pastor of a church like he wasn't like a little old man that's what i was thinking but he wasn't also like a 25 year old guy fresh out of the seminary like he was yeah. probably in his 40s okay. but the two dominatrices which is now my new favorite word and i will be using it all the time um in or out of context um one was in her 40s and one was 20 in her 20s okay but they're being charged with um obscenity crimes due to the fact that this was all happening in plain view of the public but technically the lawyer is not wrong yeah they were all consenting adults just because it goes against the crimes of the church and his responsibilities as a catholic pastor doesn't necessarily mean that what he was doing was wrong legally yeah did you ever hear about that guy that i think he was a pilot and he was like sleeping at like um an airport like you know they have usually the hotels the airport hotel Mm -hmm. yeah so he thought that his windows were tinted and he had slept nude and he had opened his windows and his he happened to be naked and someone saw him but it's like he didn't realize it's like yeah and i mean people gave him crap but i was like so yeah so that is the (laughs) So, yeah, so that is the story of the Louisiana pastor that decided it was a good idea to hire two dominatrices to come to his parish and perform some quite ungodly acts on the altar of his Catholic church. So, yeah, welcome to 2020, where the hits just keep on coming, I guess. I I love that story. Okay, so um, that is all for our true crime headlines this week. I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic over to our good friend, Nikki, who is going to tell us all this evening's bed crime story. Okay, this week, which I'm like, I, I told Jovi what my story is so i'm hoping that you haven't heard my story i'm very yet. excited I'm very excited i'm going the starbucks murders Ooh! have you ever heard of this no i'm like going through my mind of the public restaurant murders that i know of and starbucks is not one of them right <laughs> i'm like cracker barrel check tcby check lululemon check yeah don't know this one yeah so this one actually has a lot of conspiracies along with it i didn't know about this until like it happened to pop up on my youtube okay uh, you know how like the recommended mm-hmm. so this popped up and i was like anyone who knows me knows i'm obsessed with starbucks i got starbucks on the way here <laughs> <laughs> and i had starbucks for breakfast i had starbucks twice today i have a problem brooke uh mckenna she's the one that did the youtube video on it okay and it actually is kind of hard to find anything on this because it happened in like 1997 okay but so basically what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna kind of do like what happened the people involved and then kind of give like what was actually charged and then kind of the conspiracies after gotcha okay because like it's it's quite interesting okay hit me so with my, it so my sources uh my sources are uh brooke mckenna from youtube uh baltimore sun and washington post okay um so on the morning of july 7th 1997 the bodies of mary caitlin mahoney 25 
Uh, Emery Allen Evans, 25, and Aaron David Goodrich, 18, were found in the back room of the store um, just north of Georgetown, Washington. Um, An employee arriving uh, for work found the bodies. All three of them had been shot several times. Hmm. Um, And the distraught employee ran from the store and flagged down a passing bus, uh, screaming that people had been shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, The driver of the bus notified the police, and basically the police had noticed no money had been taken. Okay. So, which was weird because it was uh, right after the July 4th, like, holiday. So, there was a lot of money in the store. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Howard Schwartz. Do you know who he is? I don't know who Howard Schwartz is. Are you serious? No. That is, like, the god. That's, like, the, uh, oh, my gosh, the Steve Jobs. Okay. Like, to Apple, that, like, that, that's who he is. Oh, Starbucks. of Starbucks. It's like, gotcha. It's, like, he's the chairman and the chief executive of Starbucks Coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, company so he was on vacation and when he received the news he flew to washington on a charter jet oh well that's nice so he like left his vacation i do like that to go take care of this yeah um howard met with employees at the store and planned to remain in the area indefinitely Mm -hmm. um the store had been closed for a couple months um while this was kind of like all of this was going on because they didn't reopen it immediately uh but basically along with what the cops had posted uh starbucks had basically did a fifty thousand dollar reward towards finding whoever had done Dang. the crime. Okay, and then I read in their annual report also that they had upped it to a hundred thousand. Okay, so I mean they were like very supportive. Um, so the slayings were the first for the chain, which at the time only had twelve hundred locations around the world. Do you want to guess how many locations Starbucks now has? Well, that's just insane to me, though. Just okay. So how many locations do they have now? Guess. Oh, geez. Um, is it bigger than a bread box? No. So let me think. So it was twelve hundred and ninety-seven. You said right? Yeah, twelve hundred worldwide. Worldwide. I'm gonna say now they are a hundred and twenty-one thousand, including oh. like targets mm. and stuff. No. No, I way overestimated. Yeah. Okay. There are Thirty-one thousand locations. Worldwide. Okay. So but it's still a lot. I'm actually really mad at myself because I was gonna say twenty-one thousand because I was gonna flip the. 12 to yeah. a 21 and then i didn't and i way overshot my guess and now i'm ashamed oh no no you're good now i'm ashamed uh, though i do have to say that wasn't that long ago for them to have grown that much in that yeah. short amount of time so that's actually yay starbucks I, it's I, a lot of pumpkin I, spice lattes pumpkin spice lattes and i want to say that maybe like paris hilton kind of because wasn't she like a big starbucks person too well i think it was just that kind of whole era of the paparazzi with the pop starlets it was like paris it was britney it was kim kardashian and her very beginning it was um lindsay lowen all of them when they were (laughs) when they were doing their walks of shame oh yeah which i mean hey girls get it but when they were doing their walks of shame or their post clubbing mornings Mm -hmm. of getting out into the sunshine they always had starbucks in their hand so i think that it was kind of that was the thing of like oh i need to i want to be like paris too and apparently starbucks that's hot that's hot that's hot that's hot Mm -hmm. so like you literally like within probably like a mile stretch there's i mean granted it's washington yeah like you have a lot of like Mm -hmm. but you know at the time only 1200 locations that's crazy yeah it, it really is um, so Mary's silver 1994 Saturn sat alone in the parking lot adjacent to the Starbucks um, where she had left it the day before when okay. she came into work. Mm-hmm. The only possible indication that something had gone awry was a flat tire on the front passenger side. 
Okay. So inside the car, it was spotless, except for what looked like signs that Mary had recently spent time playing with a pet. So there was like a dirty Mm. tennis ball, a plastic chew toy, a dog's brush, and a red towel. That makes me so sad. That means that she never went home that night and her doggie's wondering where she is. Sorry to bring the room down, guys. But I didn't ever say that she had a dog. But she had that in the car. She loved a dog. And a dog loved her. A dog loved her. Yeah. So her, um, her grandmother had recently bought the car for her so that she would be safer in the city. So she was in Washington... Um, but like her family lived in Baltimore. Gotcha. So she would like go back and forth. And so her grandmother yeah. wanted her to be able to like, cause she was a very big like family person. Yeah. Um, so her mother said she was very brave. Uh, she didn't want to live afraid. Um, so while she was in high school, uh, she traveled to the Soviet Union as a foreign exchange student. Uh, when she moved to Washington, she would jog alone an hour before daybreak, uh, never worrying about being attacked or assaulted. Jeez. Um, Katie, as her family and her close friends would call her, was special. She had an enormous heart. She probably would have had compassion for the person who killed her. Because mm. um, it was said that she was like the type of person who would take the food home at the end of the night. And then like if she saw someone on the street, she would like give them like the food. And Ugh. she was just like, she was just a very giving That's person. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mary was the youngest of three children and she adored animals and even took in Marlou which was her sister's toothless black and white alley cat. Oh, Marlou. I knew Marlou. Um, and something that I was reading um, said that, like, her voicemail actually was, like, saying to leave a message for her and her cat. Aww. Like, she was, like, that person. I'm that person. I would be friends with that person. Yeah, for sure. Like, she just very, very sweet. That's cute. Uh, Mary considered herself an outspoken feminist and often organized rallies and discussion groups that centered on women's issues. Yes, girl. Like, when I was reading about this, I was like, Charlie's really gonna like her. I do like her. But just wait, it gets, <laughs> she gets better. But wait, she gets better and the story gets worse. <laughs> it does. Um, so, she hated seeing injustices uh, done, particularly against women. Uh, said Leah, who was the director of the Towson University Women's Center. Uh, Mary had formed a women's issues discussion group uh, that, back in 1995, met once a week at the Women's Center to tackle such topics as domestic violence and organized take-back-the-night rallies against rape. Love her. Right? Mm. Yes, Gets better. Okay. A loyal and active Democrat, she interned for President Bill Clinton when he was first elected. (laughs) <laughs> arranging tours at the White House. So excited about her job in the public office, uh, Mary was known to arrange and rearrange the tables and chairs and telephones to make um, sure that everything looked perfect. That's so cute. Yeah. Good for her. And then they said she had a wonderful way of loving life and she was very eager to be helpful, said Doris, the office deputy director. But she was very excited because she, when she started at Starbucks, she was there for about two years. Mm-hmm. And then she became a manager. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I mean, I know nowadays it's very, it's very hard to become a manager. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, what's the word? Everybody wants to be a manager. There. Right, right. So it's like a very competitive yeah, process competitive to get. Word. Yeah. I'm very tired today. <laughs> and I don't think my coffee has helped me. Very I was going to say it's, it's all the fake uh, energy from the caffeine. It's yeah. not actual like awakeness. Caffeine's like wearing off and I'm like, oh, God. <sighs> um, so now we're going to talk about um, some of the other employees um so emory evans uh worked part-time at starbucks he had Mm -hmm. only been employed for three weeks uh he hoped to save enough money to attend howard university where he wanted a major three weeks yeah three weeks which i'm like i feel like you don't really know much in three weeks (laughs) 
It's just like I just got here. Oh yeah. god, that's so awful. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, where he he wanted to go to major in music. So David Emery's father said, "When he didn't come home from work, I got worried, and then I heard about the shootings, and I knew something was wrong." It turned out to be my son. Mm. He was trying to do the right thing. He was a nice kid who was trying to make extra money. Oh. Um, Emery was an only child who moved to Washington less than two years prior from New Jersey. Booger. Mm-hmm. I love both of them so much. He was 25. Oh, so baby. her and him were the same age. Um, Aaron Goodrich was, he was 18, uh, was described as a nice young man by the people who worked in the building where he lived with his father, Larry. Uh, they were very close. Um, he's unbelievably proud of his son. Um, his son meant everything to him, mm. said Marge Kelsey, a family friend. Um, the father and son had recently returned from a beach vacation. Mm. So this is where, like, all the conspiracies come in, because it took a while for it to actually be solved. So in the time, you know, people come up with reasons as to why things happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, what actually happened. Um, so Mary had recently fired an employee um, she had suspected of taking money from the till um, since she was the manager on duty you know she had yeah. to let him go and yeah. family and friends were talking about how she was like struggling with that because like being a nice person you don't want to have to fire someone <laughs> yeah I get that basically the employee took $300 um, when police investigated uh, the employee it was never said if he was male or female um, the employee basically said that they had paid $300 back because they felt bad. And they were actually away at the time that it had happened. So they had an alibi because everyone was basically accusing this person because they were like, well, they're, they were fired. So they, they would have had a reason to. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would like to just There's issue an apology. I'm just going to issue a quick apology here real quick as we I'm, I'm going to cut into Nikki's story. Um, we are recording in a different place tonight than we normally do. Usually we're at Nikki's house tonight. We decided to come to my house and my dog is trying to break down the door. <laughs> we're best friends right now. Yeah, so she's trying to get in to give kisses to everybody instead of letting us podcast in peace. So if while Nikki or myself are speaking, we can't cut out the raucous noise of my dog breaking down the door to try and give us kisses, I just want to apologize yeah, no, in advance. I mean, I don't mind it. I hope other people don't mind it. Yes. Um, this case was actually in America's Most Wanted. Mm. Uh, they had gotten a couple different like tips on regards to it, and it they had basically gotten a tip. They looked into it, didn't really find much, and then they had re-aired it, and they got basically got the same tip back. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so basically, for two years, uh, they were working on a tip from a caller into the America's Most Wanted, and it was for a Carl D. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never had enough evidence to make a case against him. And he later, he basically like he said he did it, and then he he basically went back and said he didn't do it. Okay. They basically like they had done all of this stuff with him. Like they had done all the investigation. They had right. done like. Um, lie detector test, like all the all that stuff with him. Which I mean, it came it came yeah. out that he was a little nervous, hmm. but he did get charged for the Starbucks triple murder. Um, he pleaded guilty to murdering a security guard in DC, like in a DC apartment building, also. Okay. Um, and he also attempted to murder a um, another police officer. So basically, what he said had happened was that. He, well, originally he said that they were trying to rob the place and it had went kind of like south. Okay. Um, but then then he said he was the lookout. He 
he was very back and forth on everything that he said. It was he did it. He didn't do it. There was other people's. He was the lookout. So his story was consistently changing. It was always changing. Right. But I mean, he ended up pleading guilty to 47 federal charges. Dang. Um, Yeah. Because, I mean, he had he had other offenses also. Right. Um, So he's now serving a life sentence in a maximum security prison. Uh, Despite the conviction, many are not convinced that the murders uh, were the result of a botched robbery. As Cooper, um, he had he had told the police. Right. He he basically said he had not acted alone and that he was only a lookout and no one else had been charged or even considered a suspect. Did he he never named any co-conspirators? He named, he named someone else, but then the police were like, he didn't do it. Yeah. But, and then like there was different articles that I read that it just things don't align. And I mean, it was 1997. Right. Because some people said that. You know, they were shot execution style. Mm. Someone else said that they, like another article said that they, Mary was like running away from the person and the other two were trying to come at him. But it was like, it just never. There was never like one cohesive linear story. It's as far as, and this is why there's so many like conspiracies about what actually like happened. Gotcha. Even though someone has been charged, the families basically didn't want to go through with like a whole trial. They just wanted him to plead guilty so that they didn't have to drag it on. Yeah. Like, yeah. they just didn't want to have to go through... I mean, I get that. Yeah. Listening to any of that. But yeah. these are these are some of the things that people had kind of notated as being, like, strange, like, things that were discovered around the murder scene. Okay. So, the first one is the, the store's doors had been locked from the outside, as if the night crew had locked them before leaving the night before, as they did every night. So, apparently, the assailant or assailants... Locked up behind them after committing the murders. So you would assume that that person was an employee with a key. You would think. But, I mean, normal baristas and stuff, I don't think they have keys. So, two, nothing in the store was out of place. Even though that there had been thousands of dollars in cash, not one dime had been taken from the day. And then they, they said that this fact would seem to rule out a robbery. A botched robbery. Yeah. Because you figure, even if you botch your robbery, you're still going to do the robbing part. Yeah, you'd still... You're running away anyway. Might as well yeah. get some cash out of it. Three, despite being located in a densely populated Georgetown neighborhood, no one heard the shots. This fact suggests assailants or assailant used a silencer, which would point to a professional hit. Okay. Well, we'll get into the, the other the reason conspiracy. why that would be something that could be possible. Yeah. Okay. The one thing with this is like what I was also reading was there were people that were walking by and had noticed the lights being on and they were like, that's odd. They close at eight Mm -hmm. or like someone had said that they tried to go up to use the bathroom because they saw the lights on and they were trying to open the door. Right. And it didn't open. It was locked. Right. So they were just kind of like just odd things. And it's like, it it was a very populated. Right. You would have heard something. It was a walking neighborhood, right? Because it's college area. There's people like walking around. Um, So four, while all three of the Starbucks employees had been shot, um, the former, intern was shot five times and hurt once in the back of the head gotcha so that's why like people are just kind of like they don't know if she was like running or if she was like fighting or that we don't we don't know right why was everybody why were the other two only shot once and she was there was a specific amount of force being used against her right so this is the conspiracy okay that goes along with this okay another intern monica Lewinsky reportedly frequent in the store and became friendly with Mary. Um, Author David uh, M. Hoffman spent a year investigating uh, Mary's murder and told Global uh, Magazine columnist that her murder 
came only three days after Lewinsky told the president that he was going to tell her uh, that she was going to tell her parents about the relationship. Lewinsky said that Clinton had a violent reaction to the news informing her it's a crime to threaten the president. Does anybody want to describe my face right now? It's like, whoa. Okay, so that's that's the face that I had too when all of like when this part kind of got introduced. As soon as you said her name, I was like, (sighs) yeah. (sighs) So Hoffman also claims that Mary knew a great deal about Clinton's sexual appetite and the number of interns the president approached for sex went far beyond his affair with Lewinsky. Which I mean, hi, yeah, and the sky is blue and the grass is green. Yeah. Hoffman told Globe, for many months, Mary, an outspoken lesbian and good-hearted den mother for other young White House interns, had been listening to tearful stories from them about alleged sexual passes made at them by Bill Clinton. She'd begun, uh, she'd begun to tell others she planned to do something to help them. To this day, many questions surrounding the murder of Mary... Uh, remain unanswered and given the history of washington scandals and cover-ups those questions are likely to stay that way yeah let's call up chandra levy's family and ask them what they think about this theory like you know i i will say that just on a personal note i'm definitely not i'm not one i'm not a person who tends to buy conspiracy theories very often um and obviously you know i take most conspiracy theories including this one of yeah. course, with a with a grain of salt, oh, yeah. especially since there is somebody doing time for that. And in the yeah. way that I feel is if you're going to confess to a murder and you know you're going to be away for life, you better have some sort of connection to it. Yeah. Or else it's going to come out that you don't. And eventually the truth will the truth will out, as the British yeah. say. Um, but I just that is the coincidences are are many and that's yeah. very shocking to me yeah yes so when i heard that i was like uh, oh also i had gotten some of my information also i don't know why this wasn't posted at the top but um the little dixie dynamite ah. um at wordpress.com nice um but like i said all of it's kind of conspiracy of course what like has been charged what's been proven right yeah. for sure because i mean you never you never know. But like when I was listening to this, I'm like, A, I'm obsessed with Starbucks. So what the hell? How have I never heard of this? For real. And then B, you add that extra part into it. That's you're just insane. Like, you're just kind of like, but you have to think like it was unsolved for two years and people are just trying to connect dots and come up with like. Correct. That's very true. That's very, very, very true. And, you know, proximity, the proximity to the White House, the yes. fact that she was an intern at the White House, the fact that the biggest story in the late 90s was the other scandal with the oh, other yeah. White House intern, Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. So you kind of say you can draw a direct line from one to the other and say this all kind of ties together if you squint hard enough. Mm -hmm. So yes, again, like I said, most conspiracy theories, including this one, I always take with a grain or two of salt, but it's, I also don't believe in a lot of coincidences taking place in true crime. So it's, it's definitely interesting. It is definitely interesting. But, uh, Howard Schultz, uh, had basically, uh, dedicated one of his books to them. Mm. Uh, he had, I said it said somewhere that they had made the store a living memorial, but I couldn't find the actual store. And it's probably because gotcha. there's like a hundred Starbuckses in that area that I was like, I can't. Yeah, like, there was like ten of them all on one strip, and I'm like, why are they this, this close? But why does anybody need that much Starbucks besides Nikki? I mean, besides me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as I'm like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then I think uh, I believe her sister had said something about you know why is it they t- they take all the angels and and leave everybody else Ugh. because like her family and everybody That's around her like thought that she was gonna do like great things. Well, 
And it sounds she, like she was like she was she on was on that. her way of do. Yeah. She was already doing amazing things. She was on the way to doing amazingly great things. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was just a sad story. Very crazy story, isn't it? I love conspiracies. <laughs> I don't, but that is a good one. I I do. I just like I'm like, is it really that? <sighs> I'm very weird with conspiracy theories because I, and I think it's part of the dreamer in me of wanting to always believe the best in people. Oh, yeah. So I hate the idea of thinking that somebody that either you like or respect or, you know, fill in the blank here is lying to you because all these awful things are happening under yeah. the surface. So I, it's, it's that whole thing of like, I just don't want to see what's beneath it all. Yeah. Um, but at the same but when it's something like that where it kind of ties together just a little bit too neatly, yeah. it's hard to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It, it Who really it knows? Who really knows? But I mean, the one thing that Brooke was saying is like that part almost makes everything else in the story seem unrealistic. Because they're True. like, she's like, it makes it almost sound fictional. True. Because it's like, it just doesn't. It's. It's almost as if like a Hollywood writer wouldn't even go that far because it's like, okay, that's a little too far. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So she was like, she's like, take that part out and still just him being the person that did this. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, this was 1997 and we're 2020. Yes. The year that'll never end. Yes. (laughs) I hate this year. So, I mean, you would think that if, if it was anything else, 23 years would have proven to be different. Correct. That there would have been some sort of idea of yeah. the truth if that wasn't the truth in the first place, yeah. for sure. Well, well, but. great story. Thanks, Mickey. I've been killing it lately. I have not. <laughs> sure. No, I'm kidding. Yes, you have. Um, no, that was a great story. And that's definitely one of those ones that I definitely want to continue to look up and I want to read more about, um, yeah. specifically about Mary, because, you know, Mary? she seems like she'd be one of my people. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening in. We love you all very, very, very much. Um, make sure that you tell a friend. Please like, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast wherever you are listening. Um, make sure to find us and like us on your socials. Go ahead and interact with us. Say hi. We don't have too many followers, so we want to talk with you. Um, I'll and be your friend. Yeah, we'll be your friend. Let us be your friend. Don't you want to be our friend? Okay. So. (laughs) I'm about it. Sorry. You're going to see the real us here soon. uh, Yeah. I'm going to go pour another glass of wine. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can find us on our socials. We're on both Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at bed crime stories. And we will catch you here next week for more bed crime stories. Sweet dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.